0: Welcome to the dark Forest Jackie and her pals will never bore us Shameless confessions About our obsession Will make us laugh and smile, and smile. So let's explore the Dork Forest And work out for a Welcome to the Dork Forest. Here's the intro. I'm Jackie Cation, your host. Uh, you uh, know the websites, JackieCation.com, DorkForest.com, TheDorkForest.com, FamilyPetAncestry.com. And the show is available on iTunes and DorkForest.com. It is also available on probably Stitcher and SoundCloud and AllThingsComedy.com. It's around, is what I'm saying. I'm so glad you found it. And... Um, Let's do the credits. Mike Rickberg composed and sang that song you just heard, sang it with his wife, Sarah. And he will sing again at the end of the show his words to the Mexican hat dance. Patrick Brady's going to fix this audio. And Vilmos does the website. I turned into a radio voice there for a second. Well, let's talk about the websites. com has the donation button. It's January of 2017. You may now donate again. Feel free. Knock yourselves out. Uh, the Dork Forest is always free. There are premium episodes that are $2 a pop, but every week there's a free episode. And if you like the show, you can throw some money at the donation button. I would appreciate it, and I will use it wisely on cashews and chocolate and audio wires and rent. God knows what I'll use it for. But uh, if you want to donate, do that. Uh, if you want to just talk up the show, uh, you can do that. That's another way to support the show. You can also use the Amazon banner, which is at JackieCation.com. There's a tiny Amazon icon on the main page, and then there's a, under the support, the Show tab, there's the donation button, but there's also an Amazon banner. And all that banner does is take you through to Amazon, you order like normal, and the Dork Forest gets a little bit of a kickback. That's a way to support the show if you shop at Amazon. Another way to support the show, if you like the show, is to get a t-shirt. You can get a t-shirt of the Dork Forest, Ranger of the Dork Forest, or just a regular Dork Forest t-shirt. You could also get any of my stand-up CDs. You can get my stand-up DVD. You can get any of my stand-up T-shirts. The Spooky Reading Girl is the only one that I'm doing right now. And all the T-shirts are union-made here in the United States of America because, as I like to say, I'm willing to wear clothing made by toddlers. I'm unwilling to sell clothing made by toddlers. So they run a little big. They're Bayside. So if you go to the Bayside website and look at their union T-shirts, that's what you're getting. There might even be a sizing chart. Knock yourself out. Okay, um... This week in stand-up comedy, I'm opening for Brian Regan in Idaho, uh, two days. And then I'm opening for Maria in San Diego on the Saturday. So go to my calendar on jackiekation.com and figure out what those dates actually are. Knock yourself out. Wow, second time I said that. Um, Other than that, I told you about the premium episodes. There are premium episodes on thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. They're they hard to download and then move over to iTunes, I guess, people have been telling me. But Bandcamp has a free app that you can play them all on. And now there's like 10 of them. Plus there's a free album of really old Dork Forests, which are in archive. There's 17 hours of that, and that's a free album. And then there's a storytelling album at that, thedorkforest.bandcamp.com. So if you get the Bandcamp app, which is free, you can download them Easy peasy to them and just listen to whatever you want. But do whatever you want. Let's listen to a dork, dork out. This one is a very special episode of the Dork Forest. Hey, I'm in uh, uh, my hotel room here in Minneapolis with my big brother, Phil. Hi, Phil Kation. Welcome to the program.
1: Well, thank you. I'm looking forward to my 15 minutes of fame.
0: <laughs> it's going to be one whole hour. You gave me Harriet the Spy when I was uh, nine years old.
1: Well, wasn't that
0: special? It was special. It was. I think you also gave me my side of the mountain. I think you gave me a lot of books that uh, that were kind of game changers.
1: I don't like to give books to people that are incidental.
0: Oh, interesting.
1: I like. I, I give a lot. You know, we just went through Christ, Christmas and Hanukkah,
0: right? With the kids. and I gave
1: the kids. I uh, speaking of my side of the mountain, I gave that book to Judah. Right,
0: Darla's youngest.
1: Darla's youngest. I gave Noah a, a a copy of The Hobbit. Darla's oldest. And I gave my granddaughter Layla the uh, first book of the Harry Potter series.
0: And now, how old is Layla? I thought Layla was like seven.
1: She's nine.
0: Is she nine? No, is... she's eight. Eight. Okay.
1: Not sure she'll be reading it anytime soon, but right. But I think Matt could read it to her. Sure. And uh, in fact, Layla was over yesterday, and I finally found somebody. Will watch Once Upon a Time with me, Layla, an eight-year-old.
0: I think. I think. First of all, Layla will watch a test pattern of the colors change often enough, which is something you used to say about me.
1: People scoff at me about Once Upon a Time. You
0: know, Once Upon a Time is a hit.
1: I. Uh, they all want a happy ending. That's the great thing about Once Upon a Time, and it's a great thing about the kind of fantasy and science fiction I like.
0: Is when there is a happy. Ending. I like that segue. Uh, That's a good one. We're right. gonna get right into it. Right. It's a uh, so when yeah when did you read The Hobbit? I read The Hobbit uh,
1: in seventh grade.
0: Okay, you were twelve. I when was were
1: twelve or thirteen. I I found a copy of The Hobbit in the library at the South Milwaukee Community Youth Center.
0: So not the South Milwaukee Library and not the library. No, by that time high.
1: I, like you, had been banned from the South <laughs> Library. I was considered nefarious at best.
0: <laughs> you were you were persona non grata at the South Milwaukee Library. What about um so? Where was the community center? I don't know. The where that community
1: is. center was the old YMCA building,
0: oh, the which one became the Avenue?
1: stained glass window store.
0: Wait, they had a crab apple tree in the back of it that yes. I used to climb.
1: Yes, they did. Okay. Uh, yeah, back there, uh, Scott Cation Scott was once uh, clobbered by Bernie Sapinski, Officer Bernie <laughs> Sapinski back there. But the, at one time, there was a youth center there. Okay. Which had a black light room.
0: For what? Where
1: you'd go in a black light room and, uh, uh, there'd be posters up, you know, uh. When
0: you could see groovy things?
1: You, oh, there was a lot of groovy going on back then in the early 70s. That,
0: that crabapple climbing, it's so weird, our childhoods are so different, because that crabapple climbing was clearly happening in the Appalachians in 1933, where your groovy times were clearly happening in 1969 in San Francisco.
1: Yeah, uh, it was um, way too young, there, but, n- n- Nonetheless that's when the groovy time was happening.
0: And so you found the Hobbit so at, the, at the I community? found the
1: Hobbit on the bookshelf and grabbed it
0: and absconded with it.
1: And uh was there to be taken. There you go. It was uh it was a
0: legal moment in fiction's life. was
1: there was no there was no petty no crime shenanigans. at all. All right. And I was um completely blown away by it and it, it's interesting cuz there had been other books that that predated that book. I think that made me ripe for the hobbit. Uh one book in particular I remember reading in 5th grade was The Forgotten Door.
0: Oh weird. I, I don't know if you remember
1: we're... that book. It was uh it was written by Alexander Key. Okay. And uh it was a it's great story about a little boy who falls through a door from another planet and ends up in like Arizona or New Mexico and a family adopts him and they find out he can read minds, and then, of course, the bad guys try to get him. Sure. And, uh, there's, uh, reconciliation at the end. All right. Uh, he's vegetarian. They don't eat animals. And okay. And it was a. And it
0: kind of primed you to.
1: It, it piqued my interest for science fiction and speculative fiction in general. And then when I was in junior high, uh, because I didn't go to gym class, I hated going to gym class, I would skip gym. Okay. And go to the library. Okay. And lay low. Lay low. <laughs> Hopefully uh
0: uh unbeknownst to the gym teacher who
1: Who, who was wanted that? nothing more than to pick on a chubby long haired hippie boy. Right. And plus uh if the truth be told, yeah for the thousands of people listening to this.
0: <laughs> tens I was a little
1: intimidated with the whole Intimacy of gym class and the ah uh, uh, the showering Uh yeah bathing in public was not something that appealed to me
0: right even so though I, even though you have three brothers
1: right uh, one so. of whom uh well we'll leave that alone
0: <laughs> well ex- there was I mean yeah I mean there w- one I, of the blessed things of of our childhood or mine at the very least was the lack of nudity and the lack of any sort of sexual talk when I was a kid
1: oh and I was so. Uncomfortable as like many like many thirteen year old boys are, but uh, so I'd go to the library and and uh, I remember the first science fiction book I ever read was a book called Time Traders.
0: Time Traders? Yeah, by
1: Andre Norton. Okay. Who was I believe Andre Norton is a woman, but I'm not sure. So anyway, when I found The Hobbit, I just immediately gravitated to it. I mean, to the point to where I can... You know Bilbo's little song that he sings: "The road goes ever on and on, down yeah. from the door writ it gone, Now far ahead the road must go, <laughs> and I must travel if I can, pursuing it with eager feet until it joins some larger way, yes. and whither then I cannot say." And we I'd just like, have an
0: hour. We just. Have I'd it. like to emphasize <laughs> yes. that I
1: did not bring notes. <laughs> you did not bring notes. So, of... a- so anyway, that was that was the beginning of my uh, my. Almost 50 year infatuation with, with Tolkien. Yeah. And uh, obviously went from there to Fellowship of the Ring and then Two Towers and Return of the King.
0: Did you read them pretty quickly in succession? Boom, or did boom, you?
1: Boom, boom, boom.
0: Yeah? Absolutely. So seventh grade and eighth grade, just full seventh of, grade. Just all of seventh grade. Right. Lord of the Rings and I mean, Hobbit and then Lord of the Rings. Right. In a row. And they were all published.
1: It's interesting back then too, because you know there was a a scandal for Tolkien because another publisher published Lord of the Rings unauthorized.
0: There was an unauthorized publication. There was
1: an unauthorized uh, publication. And vaguely,
0: that sounds vaguely familiar, but I don't um, know who.
1: Because if you look at the original Ballantine books that came out in the six, late 60s, early 70s. There's a uh, in the front of the book. It talks about this is an authorized copy of the book, and you should buy this book. Okay. And Tolkien was uh, despondent that a publisher—I uh, forget the name of the publisher—but but, in uh,
0: the 50s or something.
1: No, in the 60s. Oh. In the 60s.
0: Somebody just unauthorized, just sort of copied it from something they bought in England. Right,
1: <sighs> and they stole it. Wow. They, uh, that is was, a bummer. It was a uh, it was a stickup. Yeah. And. Uh, so then I read it and then I introduced it to others. Right. In my very small milieu of friends at the time, Bobby Burrow.
0: Right, Bobby Burrow. Uh, uh, Lois I, Lois Burrow was my my only friend when I was right. about 6 years old. Well, and
1: and I have to make a confession here. Mhm. That so I read Lord of the Rings first. Bobby read it. Me and Bobby got so so is there going to be a
0: spoiler alert here.
1: there well, I think everyone by now knows.
0: <laughs> spoiler but, alert but from I a book published in fifty two. The
1: ultimate spoiler of Lord of, Lord of the Rings. Rings. I told Bobby Burl. Yeah. That when Gandalf went down with the Balrog. 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 I've always called it a Balrog, but when when okay. Gandalf went down. Yep. In the minds of Maria, that he in fact was going to come back to life, and I okay. told him before. You could not keep it to yourself. I could not keep it to myself. Because you were
0: 12, 13 years old.
1: Oh, yeah. And I was a little stoner boy. And and, and me and Bobby had, at one time walking home from junior high, we... We picked up a stick, and Bobby was very short at the time. Right. And so we broke the stick into walking staves. Yeah. And I had mine, and he had his, and we made a compact at the time. Yep. That if one was lost or broken, the other would be lost and broken. (laughs) And we carried them with us for months. For months. And so when I... You're still
0: friends with Bobby
1: Burrow. And don't think Bob Burrow hasn't mentioned...
0: How many times has he mentioned that you uh, gave out the game? More times
1: ga- than, 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 I can, than I can count that <laughs> and I And you still
0: feel guilty about it.
1: Well, I do and it, it it's interesting because it 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 comes around to the to the movies now that one of the great disappointments for me was the first time I read uh, Lord of the Rings. The 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 scene in in Fangorn Forest where where they find Gandalf at the rock, where the ants had met Perry and Marion
0: and Pippen, Pippen? yeah
1: was was astounding to me. I mean, I actually was so stunned that Gandalf died. It was almost like the interminably long scenes in the movie <laughs> of staring into Frodo's eyes.
0: Who was the actor
1: who played frodo
0: uh, uh, uh it wasn't Sean Astin. it was. Somebody else and yeah, I somebody can't else. His somebody name. can yell at their I, iPod. I, I'll and tell remember
1: you. his name, but anyway, it doesn't matter. I was I was devastated that Gandalf had died. I didn't know how they would do it, how they would possibly be able make to it win to the cracks of doom.
0: Right, without Gandalf. But as Gandalf. it turned
1: out, Gandalf comes back at the right time. I might add.
0: Right, and I was certain that they were screwed the first time I read it. I thought it was Saruman.
1: Oh yeah, yeah so did and I I thought that he was. They yeah. were
0: dead. Yeah, I thought so did I. I was like. Well, then they're going to get captured, and how are they going to get out of that? And then it turned into Gandalf, and I was, because you did not. I will give you this, Phil You didn't ruin it for me, because you gave me The Hobbit when I was 19.
1: Right. And I could have, you know, I learned my lesson. You I learned my lesson. I, and to this day, I, I don't, I don't spoil books to people.
0: Right. Because even if, even if they were written, you know, if it's, doesn't matter what you're reading, you want to sh- ruin Shakespeare for somebody? Don't do it.
1: Well, and the other the other interesting thing about Tolkien in the in the late sixties early seventies was the infatuation that the whole hippie culture gave.
0: Oh right, to the, Lord they of the embraced. Rings.
1: Oh yeah, in fact, they loved uh, the
0: hair. I think. <laughs>
1: and the pipeweed.
0: Oh right, the oh, pipeweed. weed. the pipe
1: weed. Weed was a big deal. In fact, Tolkien referred to them as his weird cultists.
0: <laughs> uh, he was not wrong.
1: No, and he would get calls at his house in Oxford because he was a, in the book. He was he was in the book, and you know he never really made money off Lord of the Rings until two or three years before he died. Oh, really? And uh, he sold the movie rights early in the '70s for like a hundred thousand dollars. Yeah. And he thought he had he had taken he them for he a right. those movie people, <laughs> and then you know later with the movies now uh, the Tolkien estate. Right. led by Christopher Tolkien, mm-hmm. sued uh the studios and eventually got a settlement on an undisclosed amount for ostensibly the
0: the difference?
1: Not, no, not the movies. They got they got spiffed for the uh uh ancillary stuff like the video games and the pinball games and oh, okay. and stuff like that. And I'm sure it was a handsome figure. Right. <laughs> and of course the studio said, Well, you know we didn't make money off the movies
0: what uh, they had to that? they
1: got Seron for a bookkeeper,
0: yeah, exactly that's right. not I don't believe yeah <laughs> that's
1: and and so the whole the Lord of the Rings and the Hobbit was a a big part of the drug culture, which was a big part of my culture, right, you know, dropping acid was something uh. I mean, we would we would drop LSD and go to Grant Park in South Milwaukee
0: and read and, aloud. Uh, no, we would <laughs> uh, talk to hobbits. Oh, you talk to hobbits? Oh, My I'm sorry. Gandalf. Uh, sure. You know, uh, you'd play imagination, is what you were uh, doing. It was
1: uh, the most vivid imagination I ever played. It was a it was a drug that I embraced with with a, uh, f- a fervor.
0: <laughs> right. And you, with the trails still still trailing. And and
1: so it's sort of and it was funny because I remember in junior high in English class seventh or eighth grade I uh, was I think the teacher asked us around the class what our favorite book was and I said The Hobbit and all these other kids started giggling and the mm-hmm. teacher was you know probably 26 or something and knew of The Hobbit from college and came up and talked to me afterwards you know and she said Phil that's that's an incredible book yeah and then of course. In high school, mm-hmm. in in like tenth or eleventh grade, I would see people carrying Lord of the Rings as if it, and it was the first time they'd ever read it. <laughs> right. With a smugness that could not be rivaled, man. <laughs> Those little fuckers, you know. I saw them. Oh, have you read this? I go, yeah, yeah. When I was twelve. Right, and hundreds of times since. And and the stoner crowd that I hung out with then, we actually it was interesting. There was a division of of, of of affection between The Lord of the Rings and Dune.
0: Oh, that's where the that's where the parting of the ways went?
1: Uh, no, everyone who loved Lord of the Rings, everyone who loved Dune loved Lord of the Rings. I loved Dune. Right. Uh, I love it was a much harder book to read than Lord of the Rings, and it was much more, I think, morally ambiguous.
0: When was Dune written? Was Dune written in the 60s? In the 60s. Yeah, and it's,
1: as we know, it's still being written now.
0: It's oh. a franchise that won't die. <laughs> oh my God, the the Lord of the Dork Forest episode about Dune, right. And just finding about that it's actually a a political series instead of yeah, and it has nothing because I I only read I read the first two and a half books. I didn't, you didn't finish, finish the Children third. of Dune. I couldn't. Oh man. It was a good one I hear. Damn good. It's, that's what Sean Crespo told me. <laughs>
1: well, and that's it, it's an interesting, it's interesting because, because um, I mean, Dune with Frank Herbert's son, he kind of championed Dune for his entire career. And I think he's an adequate writer. I mean, I, I what have did to did Frank admit,
0: Herbert write? Did he write the first six or nine?
1: Uh, at least the first five, I think. Okay. Uh, I'm not really sure. I, I can say that I've. I've read or listened via audio right. to all the Dune books.
0: And how many are there? Do you think, uh, you think there's over ten? Seven or, or eight. Okay.
1: And so it's there's no wheel closure. of time. There's closure at the end. Okay. As opposed to some of you know, well, I'll go into that later. Right. But uh, there's closure. But then the, the, you know, in juxtaposition, you have Christopher Tolkien, who is
0: who creates the, nothing, no. but uh, but curates but is
1: a chaperone of the. Of the work and and does it with such such care and dignity that he is he is a saint in my mind i mean he i mean we wouldn't have a similarian without christopher tolkien is you know for those listeners out there the similarian is sort of the prehistory of the lord of the rings mm-hmm. and it's a story told by the elves it's from the elves point of view and it, and it, it it starts with a creation myth Right, because you know Tolkien was very religious. In fact, Catholic and uh, Catholic
0: it... in the middle of Church of England country.
1: Right, and you know one of the one of his you know there was a a, a club at Oxford where the where the boys would meet because you know it was the boys.
0: Right, and, there were uh, no girls allowed. It was and, it, 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 Women Haters Club. He him and women uh, haters.
1: C.S. Lewis and others would meet. Charles and, Williams. And, and, the, and Right, I don't know who all the other ones were. Well, that's were. because
0: you gave me The Hobbit the right. summer I lived with you and Margaret here right. in Minneapolis. I read The Hobbit and The Lord of the Rings that summer, and then I went back to college for my sophomore year. Oh, and you took a class. And I took a class that's that right. was on, it was, we did not read The Hobbit. It was it was on the the rest of the inklings mm-hmm. and it was C. S. Lewis, Tolkien, and Charles Williams, and the other guy whose name I'm spacing. Right. But they, um, my professor was like, he wouldn't let us read The Hobbit, and we couldn't read, um, and Narnia was not uh, um, assigned because he said we're not going to be reading any children's books. <sighs> so we read The Lord of the Rings and The Silmarillion. But we did not read The Hobbit, and then we read Out of the Silent Planet, the space trilogy by C.S. Lewis. I read and then the first two of those. The last one but, actually is hard to read, but gets better with every reading.
1: Yeah, uh, I, that should, hideous I should strength. give it a shot. I mean, C.S. Lewis is so Protestant that I—I I mean, I actually have more tolerance for the Catholic faith. I think coming out <laughs> of the Armenian Church, right? And it, it's interesting because you know the quote falling out between C.S. Lewis and Tolkien, which was. Bitter really? was over religion. Oh was really? C. S. Lewis was proselytizing Tolkien, uh, from the Protestant point of view. Right. And Tolkien, uh Tolkien was raised by a Catholic priest. Okay. Him and his brother. Okay. And uh Tolkien was a Catholic and, and that was that was a different era where people would have a falling out over intellectual and spiritual things. mm mm-hmm. They would end a friendship. Wow. You know. You know, they didn't uh,
0: and how how deep into their relationship it had to be 20 years in oh their yeah friendship.
1: yeah yeah it was a long time huh and, and i didn't know that they didn't remain friends forever. oh no no they had a big falling out and and Tolkien i think had three children and Christopher was the one who i mean Tolkien was writing the Silmarillion up until the day he died yeah and it was you know it was basically a uh just notebooks, right? Notebooks and notes on the backs of envelopes and coffee cans, <laughs> and it was it was a labor of love that Christopher put into uh, in, into the Silmarillion and to and there's all kinds of you know there's a, there's another book called The Lost Tales of J.R. Tolkien, right? Which sort of fills in some of the you know some of the parts of of, of the Silmarillion and there's some there's some uh discrepancies. Like oh. Galadriel and you're welcome to pronounce that name correctly.
0: Well, if right right, you're uh I I am gonna blame all of this on your L S D use when you're thirteen. Oh the my god. Galadriel my. and your Silmarillion and you're <laughs> reading Balrog. It's uh who cares how you pronounce it? You know more about it than I do. Right.
1: Well and you know the fact is, you know, I've always loved Lord of the Rings. I've mm-hmm. prided myself on never learning Elvish. <laughs> You know. Uh,
0: and no tattoos? No tattoos? No, no, Nothing no. Elijah Wood. It.
1: Elijah Wood. That That's was it. the little name.
0: Speak friend and enter. Oh, it's uh, you don't you don't God. want that tattooed on your back? Just the
1: No, no, but I understand they did.
0: Yeah. Bless
1: their hearts. Obviously, you know, the actor who played uh They like, all got
0: a, a number nine on their ankles.
1: Yeah. And Legolas or somewhere on them. Yeah. Obviously never read the book.
0: Orlando Bloom, you don't know that.
1: Certainly, the way he played the character led me to believe it. <laughs> and then I also wondered if Peter Jackson had read the book.
0: But. I know. I, here's what, and uh, I have been disagreed with so many times. I would love to be agreed with, uh, and you might agree with me. I've I've always thought The Lord of the Rings got the world right, but the story wrong. Like I thought the world looked beautiful. I thought he nailed how how Hobbiton looked and how the forest looked and how the feel of the place. But he, it never felt like the story was about the hobbits. It felt like it was about Aragorn. In the well, movie, in the movie, as opposed to the book.
1: Oh, in the movie, well. I thought Peter Jackson. We can digress to the movie at
0: this point. Is that what we're going to? No, no, we don't have to. You could just uh, agree with me, and we'll, we can go back to books.
1: No, I didn't think. <laughs> I didn't think the movie was necessarily about Aragorn. I thought it was a, it was an action movie that. That missed, and I was fine with it being an action movie. Right, uh, you know there were scenes in action where the battle of the Pelennor Fields, where there was at one point uh, Orlando Bloom swings under one of the oleophants. <laughs> almost and so,
0: doesn't he step on top of them, sort of?
1: Yeah, it was. It reminded me of the walkers from uh, Star Wars.
0: Oh, yes. It had a little and, bit of that
1: feel to it. And it was an abomination, especially that battle scene in Lord of the Rings with Théoden coming down to the to the field and right. and, and and the and the king of the Nazgûl's being killed is is my favorite battle scene in all of Lord of the Rings. It's all of literature. It's it's
0: Eowyn, e- and the, e- and the, Eowyn and the and the king the witch king yes that is the greatest scene in the books. I me. am
1: no man, I am a woman. <laughs> and and there was a look of fear in the Nazgul's eyes. It was it was a. And
0: then was it Merry or Pippin? I can never. I remember. always
1: forget. I Whoever stabbed
0: him in the knee. I was like right. stabbing in the knee because they're little.
1: Right. He and got, and you, he got up to his knee. He and got did up the to his knee he and he did
0: the best he could. And it was the greatest.
1: Right. It was it was the greatest battle scene and then with with the madness going on in in uh with Denethor, and and yeah. it was just it was it was a beautiful and so those books I mean those, that was that was the era you know when it was before the movies and right. if you wanted to know them you had to read them yep. and uh, you know we went on to to reading them out loud to the kids to Emma and and uh Paul Right. And a little bit to me and Salmon. Uh, uh, and and it took a long time. It took a year probably to read the whole Lord of the Rings out loud. And I think we read them to Paul, who's the older. Right. And then read them to Emma. Yep. And uh, there, was, there were no movies. And I don't mind the fact that, that the movies were made. I... I think it's fine. I went and saw them. Sure. Uh, I have some, you know, s- substantive issues with how some of the characters. In fact, I thought the best movie was Fellowship of the Ring. Okay. Especially in the beginning, because I thought Hobbiton and the Shire was depicted really well. Yes. Reminded me of Willow.
0: Willow. Use the wand! Use the wand! Right, right. You know, and peck. hes a (laughs) peck. Right. Lord of the Rings, I thought, was just the movie Lord of the Rings, and I've said this before to nobody's entertainment, is that the Lord of the Rings were just a really expensive version of Willow. Right. And Willow was such a ripoff of the Lord of the Rings books... But I thought, well done. Ah, I, thought, I
1: loved Willow. I and I understand Willow. they're making another, which I'm just well, they don't to need hear. to. But no, they really don't. Because Willow
0: isn't broken, and Willow's Val right. Kilmer, and it's right. all good. It's all done.
1: But I, I you know, and in in Rosie Cotton, who eventually becomes uh,
0: Mrs. Sam G- Gamgee. Yeah, very yep.
1: fetching in the movie for a girl with hair on her feet.
0: Sure. Well, you know, some some girls can take can handle it. Some girls can uh, get hair on their feet and still get the fellas. Yeah, the, the
1: the and you know a lot of people complained about the movie that Tom Bombadil wasn't in it.
0: Which, well,
1: which didn't bother me because I think a lot of people like to say that they're disappointed that Tom Bombadil wasn't in it so they could <laughs> indicate that they knew who Tom Bombadil was.
0: <laughs> right. It was
1: like, "Well, I've read the book, so I know." I have to
0: tell you, the probably the first six times I read Lord of the Rings, I did, I skimmed the Tom Bombadil section. And and the poems. No, I skimmed the poems. And then... I skimmed But every time... <laughs> I still skim the poems.
1: <laughs> except for the one I memorized.
0: Right. Well, but every time I reread it, I appreciate a different part of it. And one time I read it, and I appreciated Tom Bombadil finally. Well, what's cool about Tom Bombadil
1: is the fact that the, that the ring has no power over him.
0: Yes. And that
1: he predated the ants, and that he predated... Especially when you read The Silmarillion. You know, there's never really a any reference from the elves about Tom Bombadil. Yeah, and
0: because uh, the elves are a little self absorbed.
1: Right. Oh, the elves. <laughs> yeah, they are a little self absorbed. You know, sure. and, and they're they're you know they had their own magical moments, their own downfalls. Uh, you know, uh, mm-hmm. you know Feanor and the kinslaying with Galadriel. <laughs> Galadriel, and, uh, yes, yeah, right. whatever. You know, and the. Uh, the, Kate Blanchett. Kate, yeah, <laughs> yeah, she yeah, she was an okay Glad role. I I I thought I thought Lothlorien was okay in the movie. Right. Uh, I thought Rivendell was okay in the movie. The sets. Mm-hmm. Uh,
0: I thought everything was very pretty.
1: Yeah, and you know the the.
0: I didn't like the giant eye.
1: Oh, I didn't. To represent either. Sauron. I didn't either.
0: I was like, no. Nah. I didn't
1: like the music. Oh you don't like the music. No, I a little overwhelming? I, I, I thought it was a little over. Here's the here's the, the the thing that gets me back to Lord of the why I reread Lord of the Rings, why I reread the the uh, Silmarillion, even though the Silmarillion is such tragedy. You know, it's
0: super there, sad. There isn't a happy story in the damn.
1: Oh, uh, there is not. And you know, whether it's the Numenorians and their fall, whether it's the a gondolin whether it's there's some of the baron Barondale. and luthien yeah uh, love and story luthien? Is, are you killing me you're killing me absolutely one of the sweetest love stories in fantasy and it was it was astounding and that that what i like about lord of the rings and what i like about fantasy and science fiction in general and especially Science fiction written in the 60s and 50s is, especially the 60s, is that the you know there's a clear delineation in Lord of the Rings between between good and evil. Right. There's there's an obvious.
0: It is very black and white.
1: And there's there's you know and there's personal decisions that have to be made in order to you know Saruman was was an angel was an Astari and the same as Gandalf, the same as Radagast and the other Astari that were sent over to Middle-earth to help in right. the fight against Saron. And Saruman made, made a decision to, quote, go to the dark side you right. know, in his lust for the ring mm-hmm. and for power. But there still is ultimately a, a clear delineation in The Lord of the Rings between good and evil in the same way that a lot of 60s science fiction was an optimistic science fiction where where the presumption from Robert Heinlein and from Isaac Asimov and from Arthur Clarke, Ursula Le Guin was that the humanity would would move on.
0: And did you ever read Octavia Butler? I've not read Octavia Butler. I've only read one because Andy had a signed copy of one of them, but I think it was also writ- written in like the late 60s early 70s. I yeah, think she did she's a lot of
1: her. Been around for a long time. I mean yeah. the, the prominent woman sci-fi writer in that era that I remember reading a lot of was Ursula Le Guin.
0: Who's Andy's favorite writer, by the oh, way. She's, and she's I amazingly mean, prolific. I've I, only read like three or four I, of her I've books. I've
1: always thought that the, the closest fantasy in terms of quality mm-hmm. was, was the Earthsea Trilogy.
0: Oh, the Earthsea trilogy, which is five books, I have it read that. It is five books, and I have read them all, and I love
1: them. I, I love them. I love the first three books. I, I like the last two books. Sure, the first three books were just
0: the first had three that, books of the Hitchhiker's Guide to the Galaxy were great, and the last two were not as good. Uh, I'm not a fan. Not a. Oh, you there was a window then. Then you missed the window. Yes, I did. It's uh, Paul Boyer really liked
1: it. Yeah, I know a lot of people love. You know, I he, like I like the BBC.
0: Oh, did you like the uh,
1: teleplay the radio? that, well, okay. radio thing that they did? I thought that was pretty good. Yeah. But I, I, I never, same with Terry Pratchett with the, uh.
0: Terry Pratchett with the Discworld.
1: With the Discworld, I think I read or, or, or listened. Cage
0: Baker told me that it was her favorite author was Terry Pratchett. Yeah. So I finally tried to read Terry Pratchett and it took me six of his books for me to go,
1: it's the okay. same story.
0: No, no, but it's not. It's not the same story. It's the same world. And it he loves a pun and he loves a joke. Like a very jokey joke. Right. Um oh, and he which, loves
1: which you hate a jokey I, joke.
0: I hate a jokey joke, but I because she liked it so much and Cage Baker, who you also turned me on to, mm-hmm. um, she's my favorite science fiction writer. And um at that time, I don't know still stacks up pretty high up there. But um so I read six of them and started to finally get them. And I've currently read probably 11.
1: Of the Discworld books? Yeah, of the oh, Discworld right? books.
0: Yeah, I like them now. I get what he's doing. And they are also very black and white as, um, no, no, what am I, nuts? No, they're not black and white as far as good and evil go. But that's what you liked about Arthur Clarke and Heinlein and those guys? Right,
1: if you look at the science, and, you know, another good example, if you look at the, the difference, and it goes well into the six, you know, it, I think Gene Roddenberry's world of Star Trek yeah. was an optimist. You have the prime directive. You yes. have I mean other than the fact that Kirk was, you know, you know sleeping around Tom Catton around the universe, yes. you know. I mean at least Picard would do it occasionally, <laughs> but he would, you know, he would think about it beforehand.
0: <laughs> right. But Picard he would have to be convinced. He was more of a shy virgin. I'd of sleep a guy. with
1: Picard. Well sure. <laughs> to this day. <laughs> right. But uh uh I mean then I look at the new Star Trek franchise that's come out and they're they're action movies.
0: Yeah they're action movies. And they're they're not Star Trek movies.
1: They're adequate
0: they're, they're Star Wars
1: movies. Yeah. They're, they're not Star even Wars as good movies. as the original
0: <coughs> or the last two. Thing I put, oh a like comment. a oh cough button. Yeah. Alright you've got some radio chops. Uh, yeah, okay.
1: I've Let's been see. on uh talk radio and you know uh,
0: you listen to a lot of talk radio as
1: well. Uh not right now. I'm oh, kinda down on it. Ever since November whatever I I've been on a talk radio hiatus. Good, good. If you want to stay sane. I can't listen to those smug-ass little bees revel in it. So it's fine. But so
0: you w- know. so what did you turn to? Like, because you, I mean, the thing is, is we share an Audible account. And when I say we, I s- you have an Audible account, and I leech off of it whenever I, want, I need books on tape. So... We
1: want to make sure this is being recorded for quality purposes. Audible dot com.
0: Audible's fine with sharing yeah. their accounts. They're they cool are, with actually. it. Yeah, and um, and I work for Audible, mm-hmm. so go on Audible and find Road Stories with Jackie Cation. Anyway, small ad. Here's but the what about um? There's so many books on tape that you've so much, and it's mostly newer fantasy, right? Like Brandon Sanderson and
1: well, some of the fantasy that i like now? Mm-hmm. For instance, the fantasy book i could not finish? Okay. What's the one hbo did Game of Thrones? Oh, Martin, the thing about Game of Thrones, yeah. i mean the the tv series is is i mean the production values are unbelievable. Right. It's nice to see that they, you know, hbo'll spend money on on whatever. Right. Uh, there's no good guys. I don't see any good guys in Game of Thrones.
0: There's no there are no good guys in right. I all... tried to read it, I tried to listen to it when you had it on Audible, and I tried to watch the TV show, and all like 180 pages I read the book the second time I made it to 180 pages of the first book, and I could tell that everybody that I liked was going to be dead. It's House of
1: Cards of Fantasy. They're all evil and right. yeah, and, yeah, and any of the good ones, I mean like the family in the beginning, you know, they were the good guys, but they're all dead i mean the the woman who lassos the dragons very fetching but she's not, <laughs> but you know i mean she's still you know she's still got issues but right the 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 fantasy writers that that i like now are uh robin hobb h o b b yeah she's uh she's got a whole series on fits 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 how do you spell Fitz? F I T Z. Okay. And uh, her world, and her, and you know, and that's why, you know. If, if you talk to, fan, and I'm going to digress here, but if you talk to fantasy writers now, one of the things they they credit Tolkien with is world building. Right. And and you hear that term all the time now. Yeah. Whether it's in reviews or or whatever, they talk about the world building that.
0: Whether it's well done or Brandon poorly Anderson done or,
1: or whoever, because mm-hmm. Tolkien was the first one to to, to resurrect this world yeah. out of Norse mythology, out of his imagination, out of Celtic myths, and create this world that I mean, I suppose the Arthurian myth, you know, something I could never buy, I could never dig the King Arthur thing. *Missa Avalon*. Yeah. That book, I just never dug it. But uh, but the world. Building that that, you know, some of the modern day writers that I like, Brandon Sanderson.
0: That Elantris know, book
1: as a one off is incredible. Me. It,
0: ha- it genuinely I've never read anything else by
1: him. And his other the the Oh, the Mistborn series. The Mistborn series is, I did is read solid. That. His his comic book series is really good. He's got a graphic novel series? No, I'm a snob about graphic novels, you know. Uh I lost a lot of your listeners.
0: <laughs> no, no, just the ones who like graphic novels. Oh, you can edit that off. It's, uh, but, I'm uh, gonna storm out myself. But, what uh, what uh, he wrote a, co- a book about? Steelheart. I call them the comic book series. Yeah, what because is that?
1: They remind they remind me of Marvel comic book heroes. And they have there's like a uh, a planet come uh, some sort of power comes to the planet Earth. That gives power to power and madness to uh characters, and they have they have power over elemental powers like fire and steel, and so water. they have superpowers, right? They have superpowers, they're superheroes, right? Many of them are bad guys, in fact, super they're villains. all bad guys,
0: they're all super villains, right?
1: And uh, except for a couple who are struggling against it, okay? And uh, so I like them because there is a juxtaposition once again between. I mean it's not like I'm Pollyanna to the point where I want I want, you know, everything to be groovy and everything, but I want When I
0: read a I, book I, it is I, I to want, some
1: extent. Yeah, so you know, that's why the whole, you know, uh Blade Runner and and you know, George Orwell's Brave, you know, and Aldous Huxley's Brave New World. I mean, those the books, ambiguity of I mean there's just like Blade Runner. I mean, I read it with a group of of youngsters I know in a in a book club. The only book we read and then we disbanded it. <laughs> well we read that in Beowulf. But
0: um uh, Wait, so you so you tried to read Philip K. Dick when Electric Sheep or whatever the hell it's called. Yeah, I don't I don't care for I don't care for and and I know that people love
1: Philip K. Dick, the T V show that's on now, the
0: Man in the High Castle on you know, Amazon? Yeah,
1: the Nazis and the and the Japanese and the I appreciate it intellectually. I right. I just would never, ever watch that show.
0: On purpose.
1: I, would, I can't do it. I would never do
0: it. This and is quite a Cation family moment we're having here. Yeah. Because yeah. I, I just, I don't, there's, the thing about Philip K. Dick is I think that he writes an incredible story. Like, talk, talk about world building and coming up with, with possible scenarios. The guy has great fiction chops, right? Right. Even Paycheck. Which actually might be my favorite Philip k. dick movie. um it's the one with uh Goodwill hunting, not Matt Damon, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck, mm-hmm. Ben Affleck during his worst five years of acting. Paycheck is the movie I've never seen it and it is awful yet awesome if you get it if it's on Netflix, it's essentially he just he takes these this this paycheck to do something. That he knows is evil, but they wipe his memory of it. So he just does it for the money, and then they wipe his memory, and it doesn't matter. And then, oops, there's some sort of trouble, and he remembers. And so it's like because Philip K. Dick also wrote Total Recall, right? And Minority Report, and Blade Runner, and um, the, he's done well. Well, his his supposedly on his deathbed, Philip K. Dick said to his wife, "Make sure to." Keep up on the, make sure that you keep renewing the the, the copyright, right? Because one day they're going to make movies out of all of this, right? And he was correct. Well, that might be apocryphal, but uh, if he well, didn't say it, she did keep did it up. Did you ever read *Canticle* for Leibowitz? I did in high, in college. It that's blew a, my mind. It's a great book. It's a great book,
1: and that's a dystopic book without much hope at the end, right? And so I'm not completely, you know, unwilling to. To dig that sort of stuff and and I, I kind of went through the cyberpunk. Yep. Uh stretch oh. with William Gibson's uh
0: Yes. Necromancer or Neuromancer not Necromancer, Neuromancer? Neuromancer.
1: That's it. It's a brilliant book. And and Neil Stevenson's uh Snow Crash.
0: Snow Crash, I like Age. I like Zodiac better. Yeah. Remember Zodiac with, no, that, I didn't with, read that with one. the it's the one about the, the pile of garbage in the Boston Harbor? Anyway. His last book, did you read 70s? No, you said it was great. <sighs>
1: Outstanding. Okay. Uh, and then. Uh...
0: So, yeah, there's dystopian stuff. Canticle for Leibowitz, the whole purpose of that book, it had a real. I don't mind if it's a sad book, if the story is something I'm supposed to learn from. And A Canticle for Leibowitz right. was about how you have to learn from history or it will repeat itself. It's, That's the whole purpose of A Canticle for Leibowitz.
1: It reminded me of the. There's a non-science fiction book called *Our Man from Havana*. Yeah. By. Uh,
0: oh. What's his name? I read. I don't. I don't remember. What? I don't remember. Todd right. Mason knows. He's he's out there listening.
1: Well, it's it's um uh, it's a book where where. Eat your mic
0: again. Okay. Use your mic a little bit better.
1: Okay, it's a book about uh where there's a spy in Havana who sends in secret plans are actually the diagrams of a vacuum cleaner
0: right and uh... right and um uh, done wait no i i'll remember oh, yeah we'll remember later i remember it's, a, it's like a spy book or something right
1: yes and uh... it's um and canticle for libowitz is they discover some some obscure documents and they, they Interpret those as some kind of spiritual text. And right, fact, they make it you know, an
0: illuminated uh, right
1: and in fact it's like Bible almost it. similar to like the you know diagrams of a vacuum cleaner or something. Right, like there's that. like
0: a grocery list involved. And,
1: what is it? It's Graham Green.
0: Graham Green, that's right. Right. That's it. And so the the
1: the fantasy that I like now is Brandon Sanderson's uh, Patrick Rothfuss.
0: Patrick Rothfuss, he's what? going to be on the cruise that I'm going on, the Nerd Cruise. Well, why don't to you get tell him, him
1: instead of doing a nerd? I mean, you know what? <laughs> this will alienate many of the Patrick Rothfuss. It'll would... only
0: alienate Patrick Rothfuss and his wife. Probably. Yeah, you know what? Tell him to finish his books.
1: <laughs> you know, I think if I run got... into him in Madison, the guy's got t- yeah. He lives. He's from Stevens Point. Right. Yeah, he's got writer's block, serious writer's block, and so he answers it by doing. He did a novella. A, like a. Like a prequel, which I despise. The prequel.
0: Well, especially before the the trilogy Finish the is done. book
1: first, and then Name the, of
0: the Wind, right. and then
1: Wiseman's Fear. Wiseman's Fear. They're very good. Too. I love. I, I like them a great deal. Name
0: of the Wind blew me away. I love Name of the Wind a lot. Wiseman's Fear, I didn't finish sadly because it felt like Name of the Wind.
1: Right. And, and other uh, people said that the other guy that's really good is yep. a guy named Anthony Ryan.
0: R. Y. N.
1: Yes. Okay. And I don't remember the name of the series, but it's really, really good. I mentioned Robin Hobb. Yep. Um,
0: the Fitz is the Fitz thing a series?
1: Yes. Oh, it's a series that won't end. Oh, it's great. It's a world that won't end. It's a great and fascinating world, and she's brilliant. It's and it's very a emotional. fantastic world. There's some love stories. There's some action. There's, there plenty of action.
0: But because I like that are very... Did you read that Sharing Knife thing by Lois Yes, I Lester? like those. Ujol. I liked her fantasy. I like She had new she has new fantasy out this year, I I heard Yeah. Uh, I didn't read it.
1: I didn't think I well I looked at it uh oh well, I looked at her
0: last Miles book. That was the last book I read, which was Captain Borkos again. Right? Wasn't it with the Oh uh, it was the, about the cousin Miles' dad and mom
1: and it's a prequel basically about their love affair. No. Yes, I'm afraid so.
0: Wait a minute. But that, that was Shards of Honor. That was the first one she wrote. No, there's no one. Oh, weird. You know, I blame that on the publishers. Well,
1: and, you know, the other thing is,
0: you know, it's funny. A lot of people
1: have ripped on authors, sci- sci-fi authors in particular, for, you know, wanting the money, you know. But <laughs> you've got to remember, everyone's got a mortgage, you know. Right. Every, and,
0: everyone and, has bills, and and, and and you should get paid for your
1: art. And in the old days, you know, those sci-fi writers, Heinlein, Asimov, yeah. uh, uh, Robert Silverberg, Frederick Poole, uh, uh, Ursula Le Guin, they all wrote tons of short stories because in a similar way with non, non-sci-fi non or fantasy, there were magazines right. that would publish them and they would make money. Right. Because that was steady dough. It was no different than F. Scott Fitzgerald and... Hemingway and those people writing short stories.
0: Right, they, they wrote them by the word, and they, and they made a living right, off of it. Right, they that.
1: had to make a living. And so I, even like Ursula Le Guin's last two uh, books, the Ursi books, I kind of felt like she mailed it in a bit and, and wanted to add to the story because, you know, maybe she needed the dough. Well, and they who, were nice stories.
0: Well, who cares? And, and it's, who cares is right. Right, What did uh, I guess Amy Poehler was on Charlie Rose the other night. I think it was Amy Poehler and Charlie Rose said, what's your favorite thing about being famous to Amy Poehler? And Amy Poehler said, I think it's the money. And uh, which makes sense because she's, you know, I think she's from outside of Chicago and she goes, no one in my family's ever had any money. And so I've been able to buy these things for my parents and help my siblings and their kids and, you know, do all these things that, and my friends, I've been able to do things that I've never imagined.
1: Well, there's a, there's a quote from the now, Now, much besmirched, Bill Cosby. (laughs) I've been rich and I've been poor, and rich is better.
0: Rich is better. And uh, the same with writers. I mean, Tolkien... I don't know, know, besmirched, if I can let that just lie there. Uh, He has not been besmirched. He's been revealed as a bit of a monster. Right. right.
1: There you go. I'm I'm in no... no, uh, Right, right. No, no, I know. know. Mr. Huxable is not (laughs) someone I'm going to defend.
0: No, not at this point. Well, you know, in Tolkien...
1: You know, we go back to Tolkien. I mean, he—he he wasn't a, a pop cultural figure. No, he didn't. He was bemused by his strange cultists, and his his family is aghast. Or oh, his son Christopher hates the movies.
0: How old is Christopher now? Oh, he's got to be in his
1: seventies. He's old, right? Well, well into his seventies, I would say. And think.
0: so they've got. Isn't Michael the next generation of I think curators? One, I
1: think one of Tolkien's grandkids yeah, actually is, has attempted fantasy. Okay. I don't know to what
0: right, level of success. Right. But, you know, you haven't read any Joe Hill, have you? Who's no. Stephen,
1: Stephen King's, King's son? son? Yeah. supposed to be great.
0: Joe Hill is great. Yeah. Joe... If if I could get you to read a graphic novel, it would be Lock and Key. Well, no,
1: I've heard that he's he's really good.
0: He's wonderful, and, and he it's smart and funny. And well, and Jacob Dylan, is a great singer, Bob Dylan's son. And what's funny is I've never been able to finish a Stephen King book.
1: Oh, but you must listen to the the Which stand one? is really. I is can't it terrifying? Listen. I oh no no because you, you
0: have the same taste. As I don't far as do scary. horror because yeah. uh, you know why. 'Cause horror makes me scared. <laughs> Which I, uh guess what, Rangers of the Dark Forest? Yeah will now know that I stole that line from you. Oh. There's any number of lines I've stolen from Filmation, well, ladies and gentlemen.
1: I, I the only horror movie I've ever seen was Rosemary's Baby Yeah, at the Garden Theater in South Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Yeah. And I went home and crawled under my covers and wept. I
0: mean,
1: because <laughs> for you know humanity.
0: Because the baby was
1: was the devil's
0: baby. <laughs> I saw The Omen, and it was supposed to be a trade. I would watch The Omen if they would watch uh, Pillow Talk, and this was at Zobelis during college in Madison, Wisconsin, and guess who reneged on Pillow Talk? And I said, because I insisted we watch The Omen first right? so that I could have a palate cleanser of frickin' Pillow Talk before bed, and then nobody would watch Pillow Talk with me, and I had to watch it myself, which was fine, because I wasn't going to bed. Right after watching The Omen, anyway. but well, it, So The Stand is not terrifying? Sta-
1: stand, I think there was one that I read, that, but the one fantasy series.
0: Of Stephen King's? Yeah, the Gunslinger series yeah, is outstanding. Stephen King did a fantasy series called, called The Gunslinger. The Gunslinger okay. And it's just
1: great. And there's a spoiler in this book that I would never even consider. So don't tell it to oh, me. Oh, God, it's just the greatest ending of the series and it's it's a little, it's very dark it's Stephen King, it's very dark, but right. it's, it's a very very good okay it's a very good fantasy series uh another really dark fantasy writer that a lot of people like is named Joel Abercrombie, yeah, uh the law series, and I frankly won't listen to any more of his i mean there there's a lot of really gratuitous violence in it, right, and man, they got to no end. They got skulls stacked up from here to China, man. Just, <laughs> For no... They're but, lop- oh, no, they're bad guys, but then are they...
0: Well, I read two Jack Reacher novels because my mother-in-law gave them to me. Mm-hmm. And I know Jack Reacher's on the side of right. But hes it's the same reason I don't read The Punisher, is vigilantism. I'm more of a rule-of-law kind of person. And so whenever... the I mean, Jack Reacher comes into town... And there's bad guys. Bad guys are, they're exploiting children, or they're, they're raping people. And Jack Reacher, he won't stand for it. I don't know if you know this about him, but he will not stand for you it. You've Gotta draw a line in the sand. <laughs> he does. And he draws it, uh, by punching people to death, and, and murdering them, and then they're gone. And there's part of you that's like, yeah, yeah, please get rid of those bad guys. Those are the worst guys in the world. And then there's another part of you that's like, well, that's frickin' anarchy. And I can't possibly read 19 books of this.
1: Well, it's similar, you know, like House of Cards. People ask me, have I watched it? I'm like, no, I can just listen to NPR. Right. I prefer to rewatch
0: over and over again The West Wing. Are you what? Uh, that's, uh, you know, uh, Andrew Salmson used to do a very funny joke about The West Wing. He said, The West Wing is like porn for people who listen to NPR. <laughs> <laughs> that's a funny joke, right? Yeah, it is funny. He said, it's true. Right, he said, but you know what? You get the government and the girlfriend you deserve.
1: I can't. That was e- his tagline, which All is right. a great line. I, I, I can't even watch the West Wing now because it just reminds me of what we have.
0: Uh, right. Well, you know, in 2000, I watched The American President, which is also.
1: One of the greatest speeches at the end.
0: Yep. Everyone should
1: be a card carrying member. the ACLU. Why aren't you a card carrying member?
0: <laughs> <laughs> right. And it's, but it's essentially the West Wing in an hour and a half right. movie version. Have you ever been to Camp David? <laughs> <laughs> it's great, yeah, it's a great line. It's, it's a great uh, Annette Benning. I wanted to grow up and be Annette Benning. And Michael Douglas is—I think Michael Douglas is an empty vessel that you could just pour a script into, and the person comes out of it. Because if you think of him in Wall Street, and you think of him in an American President, and then you think about him in Romancing the Stone, yeah. those are very different characters. I mean, every—and then he played Henry Pym on in Ant Man.
1: No, I didn't see hey, that. Pim?
0: You didn't see Ant Man. No,
1: know. No, no, Ant Man dorky. was great. Ant Man was great. It looked, looked dorky.
0: So, what are you reading right now, You're, you're right you now anything.
1: I am listening to the sixth book of the Expanse series.
0: Oh, that TV show which, that Robert Kurt turned me on to.
1: Well, James S. Corey is the author. Is the author who's actually two authors. Uh, what two, two guys? Yeah. Uh, Abraham William Abraham. And actually, the one author is the world is created the world, and the other one does more of the character uh, stuff, or more of the of of the hardcore writing. Huh. And and uh, for the most part, those are really good books, and I I like. uh, So I'm listening to that. I haven't finished it. I haven't really gotten into it yet. Okay. And I just finished. Well, I was I listened to a. I also like. I like uh, uh, rock rock autobiographies, so I just finished. Uh, oh, okay. Uh, um,
0: Did you do, read that Keith Richards thing? You gave I, to our I, brother I, and have, Scout?
1: I have listened to Life by by Keith Richards. Okay. I just finished uh, one by um, Robbie Robinson, who was with the band.
0: Uh, the band's name a, is the Band. Am I correct?
1: Yeah. Okay. There's a series I I I, I, I just. I like this uh, military sci-fi series called Coban by Stephen Bennett. How do you spell Coban? K-O-B-A-N. Okay. Uh, my one of my favorite science fiction writers who, you know, there's this whole. There's another genre that's is a popular name called space opera.
0: Yeah, yeah, Lois McMaster yeah. Bujold.
1: Right, that would be that'd be kind of I think kind of a weak space opera
0: in my opinion. Okay. Peter F. Hamilton.
1: Is, is an awesome science fiction writer and really, really good. Why,
0: what, what makes space opera space opera if it is not uh, a soap opera in space?
1: It is a soap opera in space. What I like about what lower, Lois McMaster Bujot's, like Miles' book, Coleskin books are much more, it seems what's like Peter, they revolve more Peter on Miles' adventures.
0: What's Peter Hamilton though? Oh, Which, it's, or?
1: it's there's a whole plethora of different events happening in different places that
0: Right, but did you read Ethos? Um No. The other the other Boujol books that are set in the Vorkosigan world but aren't Miles Vorkosigan books are great. It's uh something of Ethos and um they're ex- they're extraneous. I mean there's there's the most tenuous of of, of matchups to the Vorkosigan Barrier world. But that ethos book, you would like that ethos book. I'm going to look at it.
1: The other one I like is uh, Kevin J. Anderson. Okay. It's interesting. He is the sci-fi writer that co-writes with Frank Herbert's son. The Dune guy? Yeah, the Dune guy. But he also um, has his own space opera books, the Saga of the Seven Sons. It's really, really good. I like those a lot. And then you know I'll I'll delve into some military sci-fi Jack Campbell the Lost Fleet series.
0: Andy just read the Forever War.
1: Those are great.
0: Yeah, he um had never read Hadelman. Yeah, it.
1: no, those are really really good. He had
0: he had never read it before.
1: Those are really good. And then you know when I first started listening to audiobooks, the first fantasy series I listened to. Yeah. Was the Wheel Weaves is the wheel.
0: Was oh that.
1: Robert Jordan. Robert
0: Jordan, fourteen the book, books. The last three uh, written.
1: Seventeen books. The, the last, last, three. last three written. In fact, what's funny about those books? I actually skipped a book. Right. I skipped book ten.
0: Of seventeen.
1: Right, and Robert Jordan was, and me, rest in peace. The guy could not put it down, and he he was so descriptive of like the women's clothing and blah 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 blah, and he would go on and on, page after page after page. Mm-hmm. So I skipped book ten. And in real world time, between book nine and book (laughs) eleven, yeah, uh, three weeks. And the book's probably, you (laughs) know,
0: he was essentially just recording a real existence of another planet. And
1: Brandon Sanderson finished them with a plume.
0: Oh, he did nice, stuck the landing, did he?
1: Oh man, they they had the Tarmen Gaiden, the battle to end all battles at the end against the Dark One. Yeah. See, that was a juxtaposed world of good versus evil, and. uh,
0: Wheel with, with
1: some great characters, Matt Coffin especially I liked in those books. Okay. Uh, I'm loath now to start a fantasy series with seventeen books.
0: Right, I'm exactly that's why I haven't because you've always liked them. Like you I mean, you have there's but you remember when Paul was reading the Dragonlance series? Mm hmm. And I read the first nine with him and then they the like the first six were written by the same two people. And then the next three, he just kept reading them. And I was like, I'm done. I'm done reading. Because I wanted, I wanted to read whatever the kids were reading, right? Right. Salmon, was, Salmon mostly read a lot of, um for a while anyway, he was reading a lot of the Star Wars books. Right. And I read probably three or four of them with him. And then Emma, it was Redwall, but I...
1: Yeah, we talked about yeah. that yesterday. I can't champion a book where the... <laughs> Many you don't characters like characters are rodents,
0: <laughs> right? Is it all animals or just rodents? You don't uh, like animals? Anthrop- in particular rodents, but also
1: I, I. You know, it's like there's a lot of sci-fi out there that has.
0: Did you do Watership Down? No, 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 never. And and there were
1: <laughs> you know there were there were a lot of books where 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 dolphins become sentient.
0: Oh, and, the and dolphin Riders of Pern.
1: Uh, that's the one I never read. That's the only one author we haven't talked about yet. And what I Anne McCaffrey. What I like about her books, while the world. I liked how they there were sections where you had characters that you embraced, and there would be two or three books where Pimer was was sure. preeminent and right where and, and it was been years since I read those. The but. Dragon
0: Song, Dragon Drums, Dragon right. yeah
1: right. I love the I love dragon that worldview and yep. and I think she ran out of gas. You know the last few books where they
0: oh th- no th- and and that that felt like publisher coercion. At its worst. We've had this conversation before. Is When a series goes on so long that some of the characters die of old age. Right. Boo! <laughs> I boo that. And so when the Harper, you're like, I don't want the Harper. And granted, he has to. He's not going to live to be a thousand. He's not Gandalf. And so it's fine. But you, why don't we just call it and we don't have to go there? And what happens to Gandalf at the end? Gandalf goes off into the West.
1: He becomes, a, becomes an angel again. That's it. What do you think happened to, to, Frodo? to Frodo and Bilbo?
0: I don't know. I think that they just... Uh,
1: I think they sl- died.
0: I think they sleepily uh, maybe end up in the halls writing poetry, don't you
1: think? Well, they don't get to go to the mainland. they got to stay at the island.
0: Oh, they just go to port?
1: Yeah, they, the <laughs> island that's out off of the...
0: That's off of the westernest The of the
1: west, right. And that's where they... Huh? They go there to die. Well, that's what Corey. That's what Corey Olson thinks. Oh, is that what? Oh, the Pol- Tolkien professor. Right, but nobody really. You know, n- nobody knows because Tolkien didn't write a sequel.
0: Right, and he didn't. Ri- he and didn't...
1: Christopher Tolkien didn't write a sequel. What Christopher Tolkien did is took his father's legacy and treated it with the utmost respect and dignity. Yeah. And I love Christopher Tolkien for it.
0: Phil it's been exactly one hour. That's an excellent way to end it. Uh, we have at least 100 hours of other dorkdoms to talk with Filcation about. But let's wrap it up and just say, uh, you he's he's not on Twitter. You're not on Twitter. He's no, my brother. No, I'm not on Twitter. <laughs> he's not really. You're on Facebook but rarely. So it's not like
1: I'm on LinkedIn. <laughs> you, you guys all... need
0: printing? <laughs> you guys, anybody needs to You all buy heard some of verification? I'm what's called the acorn. <laughs> 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 oh my god. And Rangers, take care of each other out there. You know the rules.
1: My hat, my hat, my hat. They're dancing around my hat. <laughs>